0: Welcome to IT for Whiskey, a podcast for new or existing managed service providers and your occasional whiskey connoisseur.
1: My name is Myron Herrera. My company is Cinetech Solutions. Uh, we are a MSP based out of Dallas. I'm also the CEO of Greenland Networks, which is a voice over our IP uh, channel only uh, based out of Dallas as well. Business started in 2004.
0: My name is Joe Yousia. I'm the CEO for Infinite IT. We're located out of Toronto, Canada. We're an MSP. We were originally founded in 1999. Many years in the working and here we are. So I hope that you really get a lot out of this podcast and learn the things that I wish somebody would have told you. Hello and welcome back to the next episode of IT4Whiskey. My name is Joe Ucia, and today I'm here with, as you all know, my best bud in the world, Myron Herrera. Myron, how you doing bud?
1: What's up? What's up? What's
0: up? Today's topic is our team. Talking to our team for the betterment of our company.
1: For better or for worse?
0: For better. You, you don't want it for worse because, yeah, that that's not the point. We're going to discuss today why it's important to talk to your team, listen to your employees, and get the most out of your company culture that you possibly can to take your company to the next level. That's that's today's topic. So internal conversation. How about that? That's our title. I just made that up.
1: So, I mean, when we started the MSP in, I think it was '04. you know, at the beginning, we would not want to have big discussions with our team members because, you know, it's our business. We wanted to go our way, blah, 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 blah. And quickly we realized that it's not about us. It's really about the team as a whole. We started to get more people involved. And to, to this day, I think it's how we operate. It's important that people have their say or understand what we're trying to accomplish. Because if we If you don't do that, then, you know, people are not pushing for the same, for the same goals. You know what I mean?
0: Agreed. We've always believed that our culture is defined by our people and that our success is defined by our culture. Indirectly, our people define our success, which, you know, in in the real world has a, a much more straight line to the, to the results, but indirectly we we spend a lot of time talking to our staff. We do a lot of social events. I mean, if you go look on our website, we are all foodies at the company. That's one thing that everyone has in common here. And every Friday morning, pre-pandemic, every Friday morning, as a team, the whole company would get together and we make breakfast. One week it might be bacon and eggs, next week might be pancakes, and we do all kinds of things. And we got really creative and we started doing bacon-infused pancakes. Yeah. And then we made, we have a waffle maker in the office and we make waffles and like, so we would do all kinds of different things. And usually on Friday afternoons, the same day, of course, we would have a company barbecue. And it wasn't the point of the free food. Um, You know, Chris and I both are firm believers that when you break bread with people, that's when you get to know them. And it's created this really great company culture for us because we sit around and we discuss the business. And talk about you know this customer the best, struggles, and the struggles, and how are we can improve this, yeah. and how, and and as I've mentioned in previous episodes, and as you know very well, Myron, this year has been the year about process for us as we're going through our, our first ISO certification. The interesting thing is, you know, just today I was walking uh, past the the boardroom, our main boardroom, and one of my employees had just come back from being on site, and he said, "Hey, I, I got to ask you a question. Can you come here for a second? And I said, "Yeah, sure." So I went and said, I just need you for a minute because, you know, I thought of this great idea and I'm documenting the process around it. What do you think? And so I sat with him for 10, 15 minutes and we discussed it and I read the document he wrote. This is not his responsibility, but he took on the responsibility because we have that kind of an open culture and he was absolutely right about the problem that I didn't even see was there. I didn't even know it existed, but when he mentioned it and brought it up to me, he was right. And he took the time to write it all out, et cetera. And and I said, yeah, sure. You know what? Send it over to our our compliance uh, practice manager, because he's the one that writes the the formal policies and procedures for the, for the company. Right. I said, but I approve this. This is fantastic. And it's all because we have that culture of, we talk to our staff and we listen and that's so important because that one thing that he thought of was actually a problem I didn't see that could potentially mitigate a risk down the line that now we're going to be a better company because of it.
1: Absolutely. No, I I think that through through the years, you, you know, we've grown to understand how to really take advantage of that. And I say a lot, it's not about one or two heads in the company. It's everybody, each mind is what makes us. So, you know, working together, discussing big issues together it it allows us to 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 see or 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 work through some of the challenges especially now we are in like very we're hiring multiple people a month um it's really hard to to dedicate one-on-one time with everybody but the culture is there where everybody feels that they can they can open they can discuss something they can challenge things and that just helps us, you know, move forward and and continue to grow. I've talked about, you know, Stephanie in the podcast before, you know, so the people like that that come in and are able to say, no, this, you know, let's look at this differently. Or, or, you know, somebody like Anna who's on our marketing side, you know, she comes in and says, I can do this differently, you know, and it's empowering those people to be able to come in and, you know, and listening to them and giving them a seat. I think that's really where the big difference is. I think that when, when we were five, eight employees, we were naive to think that we had to know everything. And now we focus more on knowing that they have the right intentions and as long as our team members have the right intentions we give them a little bit more of give them a lot more openness to doing things their way and that has propelled whether whether you know we're not the perfect company we have tons of issues that we have to resolve we got growing pains and all that kind of stuff but what i do know is that everybody's engaged and everybody feels like they own their piece whereas before i felt like people just checked in and checked out for their pay and that that's not a really good atmosphere. So
0: agreed. We are, so it's interesting. Is I spoke to prospective firm that we were looking at hiring to do some tasks for us. I wanted to outsource a, a few things, and ironically, they're also from Dallas, Texas. And um, the the thing that the the sales rep kind of talked to me about and explained about why they're culturally different is, and I I still haven't wrapped my head around this and I got to read into it a little further, but she explained that every employee at the company is responsible for a line item on the GL. And I don't know how that translates. So, you know, if anyone out there, our listeners understands what that means and, and how to apply that to, to a culture, I definitely would be interested in, in hearing it. But the gist of it is basically everyone's responsible for a, a cost center. It, whether or not it's in your department, It's that's your cost center to drive more profitability into for the year. You have your primary role, but then you've got your cost center responsibility. And your job is to drive costs down, profitability up without sacrificing quality, and you get compensated respectively for it. I think they're about 80, 90 employees, so they're they're a little bit bigger than, than us, but it's an interesting model and-
1: Not much. Right. I've had that conversation um, with somebody last year about going going about things that way. And, and I personally don't like incentivize a team to it being a profit center, because then intentions change. Uh, especially when, you know, taking care of customers, right? They're going to be incentivized to just push, push, push sales and and that's not our our way of looking at things. So that, that would be my only concern about something like that uh, where, where you say, hey, you know, if your center brings in more money, you're going to be compensated by that, right. whether it's through commission or whatnot.
0: Yeah, and I'm not disagreeing with you. We're the same, but the difference wasn't, it was more from um, fiscal responsibility, making sure that we're not wasting money as a company and keeping each other honest is, is the way it was positioned and you know one of the things we have never done as a company is we have never shared our financials with the staff we've never explained to our staff what our profitability position is etc cetera, et cetera. this year that changed this is the first year that we started talking about our financials to the staff now nobody still to this day nobody has access to them they can't just read them if they wanted to But uh, on our weekly town hall, I do talk about profitability. And I've seen the adjustment in our culture and the change in the evolution. And you use the key word that we try to avoid here. Your key word was... You know issues within the company, and calling it what it is, every company has issues, and that's a reality. That's a truth. What we now classify it is, we 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 classify it as we're dealing with a struggle, and how do we overcome the struggle? Yeah, yeah. and and the struggle is a a less negative word. Is it's the same definition at the end of the day? It doesn't mean anything different. Yeah, it's
1: a challenge. It's It's more of a
0: challenge or a struggle. And how do we overcome this? And and, and what are we gonna do as a team, come together as a team to fix this? It could be something completely unrelated to my role, but it doesn't matter because we all come together as a team and Chris and I listen to what the team have to say. And since we started doing that, I will say internally our, our ops side of things, the efficiencies we're driving now out of our ops is astronomical. And it's just from listening, talk to your team, listen to what they have to say. You would be surprised the input you get. And I make an, a, an effort As a CEO, I make a a conscious effort to sit down with every single employee as often as I can, one-on-one. How are you doing? You know, and it's not because business only. I genuinely care about my staff. Like they're great people. We have some amazing people that work here and it's taken me a long time to build this team as great as they are, to become as good as they are. And we've handpicked and gone through a lot, let me tell you, of, of people that we, we didn't keep on for some of them as little as two, three weeks that they clearly didn't fit in. And that's fine. That's okay. Because you you're going to go through that. But the, the key is you know going, going and spending the time with them they feel appreciated. They feel heard. Employee satisfaction goes up, and you know, my HR manager does uh, once a quarter employee satisfaction polls, and it's completely anonymous. We've never seen them higher than we have in the last twenty four months, and this started pre
1: pandemic. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think that you know having those conversations with your employee, your your team members, really getting to know them is is a, is an important piece. I do. I can tell you being a, a bit bigger, it becomes harder.
0: Right, but your job isn't to know every employee. Your job is you need to know every one of the, the, the reports and their job yeah. is to know the employees.
1: No, absolutely. The culture has got to be there, right? So that everybody does that. But what I'm saying is that as, as CEO, it's, it's, it's difficult to spend that one-on-one time. I do try single out, like we have a town hall meeting once a month and I try to single out somebody that I have not singled out in the previous call. And I try to make sure that I say hi. And and I try to get feedback from our management team on from everybody. And if there's something happening in somebody's world, right, whether it's personal or business, I try to reach out to that person and say, hey, what's going on? I heard something, you know. And that's my way of being, because there's no way I can do that one-on-one at this point. I would just spend the whole entire day doing that all day long. But my, my point of that is that even though you can't speak to everybody, I think that there's a way that you could still feel close to your team and spend that important time. And then that's critical, you know, so spending time listening to your staff, having that one, the town hall, you'd be surprised how many MSPs don't have that town hall kind of environment with their staff, whether they're a four person, two person company, or a 100 person, you know, or a thousand person company. It is important that you, you know, in our case, our town halls, the way that we structure them is we give the outline. So that way it's, it's, it's information people can take back. We open the meeting up. I talk for a few minutes, talk about where we are, our struggles, our challenges in the last month, what we're looking to accomplish in the future month. Maybe we talk financials, maybe we don't talk financials, but we give a pretty good idea. And then we have two topics that not I, not Giovanni, but somebody else within the company is presenting and talking to the team. And it could be anything from marketing, it could be cybersecurity, it could be a new platform that we are implementing, a new change in HR and whatever it is. The point is that we have these two conversations and then we finish it off. In our case, we, we're happy people, so we finish it off with a happy hour afterwards where everybody stays on or most people stay on. We have a drink, we have a good time and things, you know, finish that way. So, but but what does that do? It, It creates a great relationship within the team members for new employees that come in as we just had it this week, I think it was two or three new employees. They got a chance to meet everybody. They got to see everybody's personality. And even now in a COVID pandemic kind of situation, and and in our case where we're in multiple cities in multiple countries, it allows people to be able to connect and have something that I can relate to. Oh, I can relate to such and such person because they like rugby and I like rugby or so on and so forth. So those are the things that make a business. Not, I mean, you need the accounts, you need the customers. But if you can't get your team to, to gel, there's only so far you could take it. Speaking of so far that we could take it, we've taken it this far and we haven't talked about whiskey.
0: I know. What are you drinking there, buddy boy?
1: So a couple of episodes ago, I talked about something called Glen for Dry. Yeah. If you remember that. Yeah. I talked about buying a three bottle gift. Yeah. Uh, gift set.
0: I remember, oh, I, I remember trying the first bottle that you had opened when I was down at your place.
1: You were in my house? No. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a Glenford dry. I probably clobbering the name because I typically do. And they call it the I ITL and OER. I have
0: no idea what you just said.
1: Check out social media. Check out our social media at IT for whiskey. Or our website at www.itforwhiskey.com, and you'll see a picture of this stuff because I cannot pronounce it. All I can tell you is that it's a 12 year, and it's pretty good.
0: and And it's funny because the un, again, like usually, we didn't prepare this uh, in advance. As far as you know, comparing what we're drinking, we just grab something and drink. I'm actually drinking an oak based whiskey as well. Hmm. This one is called Masterson's. It is a 12 year old straight wheat whiskey. Masterson's is a Canadian distillery, and they're probably one of the only ones that I actually, one of the few that I actually like in Canada. They use Canadian wheat. And what's really cool about them is the distillery is way up north. So they actually use glacier water to distill. So it's actually kind of neat from that perspective. Wow. And then they age it in. Do they,
1: do they charge extra for that? No,
0: no. We have so <laughs> many glaciers up north that it's all free. They do mature it in an uncharred new oak for 12 years. So you really, mm. no smoke, no none of that, which is, I don't like. But what's really nice is you yes. do taste the oak in it, but oddly, this is sweet.
1: This is sweet as well, which was odd to me. I was expecting, I opened it and I said, all right, let me try this because I may not even talk about it. (laughs) It's actually very soft, very easy going. I'm surprised with this brand by the way.
0: Yeah, well, I liked that bottle I tried. I'd never heard of it before when I was at your place, and it was it was pretty good. So I can only imagine the others. The
1: price point, this was the the initial one, was twenty nine dollars. Wow you talk about you talk about single malt Scotch for twenty nine dollars U S. No, you can't you can't make like that. Well,
0: the, the sad part is this bottle is. I don't want to tell you how much it costs up here. It's ridiculous. Uh, this was almost two hundred dollars.
1: It's that it's that glacier water, yeah.
0: Well, for Canadian whiskey, well, first and foremost, Canadian whiskeys typically are not aged like 12 years plus. It's uncommon. So it is a a little bit of a unicorn into itself in the the market. And I've said this before. I'm not, I am Canadian, but I'm not the biggest Canadian whiskey fan. You never know what you're going to get. This one is a little different. Um, Mastersons does pride itself on on being the more the higher end of quality. They only make a few products, and it's like they're all age statement. I think they're the only ones in Canada that are putting a formal age statement on their whiskey. So it's a it's an interesting one. Would I say it's one of my favorite ones, especially for the price? No. If it was like a fifty dollar bottle, I'd probably stock it more often. But at two, almost two hundred dollars, I'd. It's way too much money for the the drink. Yeah, but it is sweet. Like I, I, I wouldn't add maple water to this because it already has it built in. That's the type of sweetness I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, what I'm hearing here is don't bother going going to buy it. If you get it as a gift, then great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you if you can score it in the U.S. for like forty bucks, then yeah, sure, give it a shot. But at the price point that it's at, no thanks. Like I know the ten year old is now going for one twenty 120 or one twenty five Canadian and. I won't buy it because I, for that same money, like I'll go out and get myself a Caribbean cask, which everybody knows is my favorite. So I'd rather drink that over this. But I will say that the aftertaste on this is—I feel like I just had a lollipop, which is weird. Oh. So the, the in summary for today, what I kind of want to make sure that we we impose on everyone. We talked about leveraging your staff for insight, leveraging them efficiencies, but more important than leverage is getting to know your staff uh, on a personal level because that's where you'll get the best out of them. Calling it what it is, I I don't know the exact percentage, I'm gonna make up a number, we'll say 90% or whatever the number is. The majority of people go to work because they want to be there and they wanna put their best effort, they wanna put their best foot forward. In in the private sector especially, and, and then you put that into the small business market, it's even more true. From experience, I'm telling you, you know, larger the company is, then you start getting unions, and then you know, that breeds a different culture. Whereas in the SMB private sector, people are there working, showing up and being at work because they want to be there. And calling it what it is, you spend more time with your colleagues than you do your own family most of the time. So absolutely. You 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 don't want to come across as that person in the team when everyone else is a performer. So you you, you need to take that all into consideration as a leader and reach out to your staff, spend time with them one-on-one. And you know, the one thing we didn't mention today, Myron, that I think is also equally important is leveraging your staff or not leveraging, that's the wrong word, but working with your staff to find new opportunities with customers because they know people, even though if they're not in sales, going to text and saying, you know, or to, to whatever role it is you know, reception, finance, whatever, say, you know, we want to grow, do you know anyone, et cetera, et cetera. And then you can make a whole, potentially do like a referral incentive referral program internally as well for hiring. You know, if you, from an HR side of things, using your staff for that, we have a staff bonus. If you refer somebody that gets hired, you get comped.
1: Same here. It's been, and it's been very beneficial for us. We use recruiters, but, you know, it's it's great when you got a team member that says, hey, I know somebody and I know they fit this role. That's an easy sell.
0: Most people know this about me. I even put this on our website. I'm not a big fan of recruiters. I find they like to recycle talent a lot just so they can make their commission over and over again.
1: I think we have a podcast about recruiting. How about that?
0: Yeah, we should do that too. The leveraging the staff or engaging with the staff so that you can drive efficiencies, become a greater company or a better company and finding new customers, finding new partnerships, and you know what else? Finding new technologies. We just, one of our staff, who has this, this side passion for security. He's like, hey, what about this, that, and the other? You know, I play with this tool. And a few months ago, he brought it to our attention. We now adopted the tool as one of our internal security tools. Imagine that. So that's how it's supposed to work. Right. And that's what I mean by investing as a leader, your time in your staff, investing in getting to know them and keeping an open forum with them far outweighs trying to hire someone to do a task. Finding, Hiring an HR person just to do HR when you're only six people doesn't make sense. Work with your staff. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Look, I'll tell you, we have not even scratched the surface on this topic because there is a lot more that we can talk about here. But I'll tell you, the key thing for me is that I, especially as we grow larger and larger, you know, every month. When you start a business, your the whole goal is to get out of the business and let the business kind of run. So you're basically entrusting the the business onto the staff. Why not know them in a one-on-one case? Why not involve them on big decisions? That's just to me it just makes perfect sense and it's working for us. So I suggest that those that are listening please, you know, consider that as an option.
0: Absolutely. And if, if there's any other uh, suggestions that you have that you want us to bring up, uh, send us an email, social at itforwhiskey.com. And we love listening, for, uh, getting emails from our listeners. And if you have any suggestions for future topics, but most importantly, don't forget to like, share, recommend, or comment uh, online on our social media. We want to hear from you and uh, we hope we help. A little bit every time. Well, I want to,
1: before we, we we hang out, uh, I want to talk about, uh, or I want to just do a quick shout out to uh, Juan Fernandez, which I saw at the China Partners in Vegas, also Paco, which I finally got to meet. I had not met Paco and, uh, and a few other people. We had dinner at uh, Fuego de Chao and uh, we had a great time. We had great conversations and a lot of them were listeners. Some of them are going to be new listeners or are listening now. So thank you for that and ciao.
0: Take it away. Thanks. IT for Whiskey, a podcast by MSPs to help MSPs. Don't forget to spread the word, like, and subscribe at itforwhiskey.com.